Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Yes, we're live now, and uh, I've worked out that there has been some comments on the story on Facebook, which is very exciting, uh, and I now have uh, been able to visualise said comments. So um, I'm going to just do those first because you can see me forgetting that. So the comments on Facebook stories says, is it okay to have a full open hysterectomy surgery five years after a full tummy tuck with MR? MR being muscle repair, which I, I now know. Um, yes, absolutely fine. So absolutely fine to have a hysterectomy um, after a, a, a tummy tuck. The MR, the muscle repair bit, uh, means bringing the rectus abdominis muscles together uh, in the midline. The incision usually for a, um, a hysterectomy is in the, in the crease. Um, which is like where you have a, a, a cesarean section scar. So it's normally sort of um, horizontally orientated. Well, same as a tummy tuck, actually. Same, same, same sort of scar, but not as long. Um, so, um, the, and the muscle repair is going vertically up, if that makes sense. So you pr they probably won't interrupt or do anything with the muscle repair at all. Uh, but five years down the line, it doesn't matter. The muscles will have been brought together. They will be scarred together. So it's completely irrelevant and nothing to worry about in terms of the surgeon doing the hysterectomy. And I'm sure the surgeon's not worried, but if they are, I always say, look, you know, if, if you can speak, get them to speak to your plastic surgeon. Um, but <clears throat> there's no real need. I think his uh, gynecologist would be fine doing a hysterectomy if you had previous surgery. The only thing is you have scarring there, but uh, the scarring will all be superficial. Um, and so it just makes it a little bit more difficult with because of the scar tissue. And I would personally advise them to excise the, the uh, portion of the hysterectomy, uh, portion of the abdominoplasty scar, rather than giving you a new one. Sometimes you see people giving a new scar, and I'm like, why have they done that? So you've got two scars. I would just excise that portion of the uh, abdominoplasty scar um, in order to do my hysterectomy. But yeah, no problem at all with that, with um, with having a previous uh, previous tummy tuck. Um, and we've got, no, we've got two, so next one. Glad I checked, because I normally check afterwards. Um, what to consider months or weeks before breast augmentation for someone with regular anxiety attacks? Um, yeah, don't don't over over egg it. Don't don't overdo it. Don't over um, kind of don't lay too much onto it. I mean, um, clearly this sort of surgery is going to be anxiety provoking for anyone i mean i can't say don't be anxious about it because i think anyone would be anxious about it and it's probably normal to be anxious about it but don't be that anxious about it and try and focus on the positives on the reason you're having the surgery on the effects that you can hope to achieve once you've had the surgery so those are the sorts of things i'd be focusing on in terms of the risks of surgery you have to know about the risks and you've probably been told the risks and, and you've kind of accepted those risks before deciding whether to have surgery or not, because obviously you've got a decision whether you have surgery or not. And the risks are low, uh, but they are there, so you have to be aware of them. But if you once you've accepted that and think, yeah, the benefits out, uh, uh, outweigh the risks, 
I would just try not to think too much about the risks after that point. I think it's, you know, I'd say, not saying don't think about them at all, but once you made the decision to have surgery, don't kind of focus on the negatives and on what if this, what if that. <clears throat> try and be positive about it and try not to think about it too much. And, um, you know, just, just as I say, think about the outcome and what you're hoping to achieve um, and what the result you can get. That would be my advice for that. Uh, I'm not really an expert in kind of anxiety um, uh, treat, treatment or, or, uh, or uh, but that, that's kind of my advice I would give to anyone. And as, as I say, it's completely normal to be anxious about this sort of stuff. So, um, and thank you so much for asking a question on the story. That's uh, both of you, very uh, welcome um, addition. And also we've got, a, we've got a question live here, which I've seen, uh, how to create a tighter hourglass shape with tummy tuck. Is it with lipo? Um, well, um, that's well. What I would say, Barry. Um, hope you don't mind me calling you Barry. Is that try in your mind of think about thinking about what we are doing as surgeons. So we're kind of working on the shape that you've got, and we're trying to sort of work with that and adjust that and make that as good as we can um so it's about realistic expectations I, I don't know i don't know what your figures like now but it's i mean we're always trying to make an hourglass um figure but um you've got to think about where you are now usually a tummy tuck involves taking out um skin and fat in an up down direction now having said that when we close it we often close it to bring the size in to give you that up down uh, uh, to give you that hourglass figure. So we're trying to close it by bringing those sides immediately. It does create a bit of puckering immediately, but uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but we try and pull the sides in to give you a nice waist and a nice shape. But it depends on kind of what kind of shape you are now. If you're quite kind of square, you might be a little bit square afterwards, although you won't have the apron, but um, you know you might not have perhaps as good a definition as you might want. Um, and so this is why you need to have these conversations pre-op because you don't want to be surprised post-op. Um, there is a, a, a procedure called a fleur-de-lis tummy tuck where actually skin is taken in a in a um, kind of side-to-side -side direction as well as the tra traditional up-down direction. And that does narrow the waist. And in some respects, it will give you a better shape in that respect, but it gives you a big scar at the middle. So it gives you a straight line scar at the middle as well as the horizontal scar. So it gives you like a T inverted t-shaped scar so there are negatives with it as well as positives with it but that's something that is sort of going through my mind if i was saying oh, i really want an hourglass figure I mean, liposuction is really good on the hips and flanks to contour those hips and flanks to try and make that that those hip that hip area uh, less full and so this is why you probably need a discussion with your surgeon until in terms of what sort of look you're after because sometimes people say well i like that fullness on my hips and that might be what you're describing as your hourglass figure so you kind of might not want liposuction usually most people have some degree of excess on their hips and their flanks so it does give a better shape a better contour if you can take that fullness off the hips and flanks with liposuction but again it needs to be having a discussion with your surgeon as to sort of what sort of look you're after and kind of what you mean by an hourglass figure I guess and to see whether that's realistic given the body that you've got now whether you know how much that can be transformed with surgery and being aware of the potential limitations 
of what could be done so that you can weigh up whether it's worth having surgery. Um, but yeah, I would say um, repairing the muscles like I was talking about a minute ago is, um, is, is a kind of standard part of a tummy tuck which brings those muscles together and can help that definition at the sides and help with that uh, hourglass figure and personally I don't do the fleur de very often where I make the incision I usually just do muscle repair and try and bring the sides in with the with 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 keeping just a uh, a horizontal scar um and and trying to make the shape as good as I can and I usually show photos to patients of some of my cases to see what they think and if you think that's good and that uh, you 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 might want the same great if you think that you want more of an hourglass figure and want it look a bit different or whatever i'm like yeah well um this is kind of what i can achieve so you know i want to be realistic about what i can achieve before surgery rather than saying oh yeah yeah you're getting going to get a lovely hourglass figure and then you have surgery and you think mm, i've just really got rid of the apron i haven't really got that figure that i wanted i'm like yeah well that's because all i did was get rid of <clears throat> that fullness <laughs> so it's good to have a question now and it's a good question and um yeah <coughs> should have bought a glass of water memo to self but um that's uh, a good question and probably needs a discussion really hard to do it in this uh in this forum uh Demi Hammonds, I, oh i already have an hour i already have an hourglass shape do you do book style tummy tucks I hate it when people say things on this and I'm thinking I'm really sorry Barry what's a book style tummy tuck book style book could book be a typo book style tummy tucks oh god sorry Barry I don't know what I'll... oh here we go ah oh, yes this was a type I want I understand this card but I think would give a better result do you do these often do you mean so Fleur de Lee oh is book I, I maybe book means like a um sort of like with an with like an h on its side scar is it um uh so is that is that what you call a book style so anyway so for, so i don't do the h one where they take the top and the bottom um don't i i mean it's difficult because you have to do what the patient wants but i don't like that scarring and i've got to be honest with you barry i don't do many blurred leaves i do do some but it's not um what is it one in one in ten probably less than one in ten one in 20 or one in 30 you know not not that often i don't do a fleur de lis often uh, fleur de lis being the kind of inverted t shape so i don't do the fleur de lis um shape and i don't do the kind of h on its side uh shape which might be what you're talking about book style so um yeah not looking good berry not looking good here so i might not be your man uh, if you want one of these kind of extended ones, they are good, but I'm a bit like, if you're saying you've got an hourglass figure already, I'm not sure about having all that extra scarring. So that that's something I would sort of think about because it can be a little bit obvious that scarring go out the middle. That's why I, the, I personally don't like it, the, um, the um, thirdly. Um, so I feel that the, personally, often the best compromise between taking out more skin and giving a good cosmetic result is a uh, is a full tummy tuck which is one scar goes from hip to hip in the lower abdomen that's kind of like often the balance is there in terms of it, it removes enough skin and gives a good enough shape 
without giving any obvious scarring if you were to wear um, a bikini or what have you. I mean, there is a scar around the belly button, but we try and kind of hide that as much as we can. So, it, you know, in terms of when you're in underwear or when you're in a um, bikini, you know, that doesn't really show. Hopefully it doesn't really show. And sometimes it might uh, if you're wearing a sort of thin bikini or what have you. But it does. Um, it often is a bit easier to hide than when you start putting scars um, in the middle. I have hourglass syndrome. I'm not sure the medical term for it. I have loose skin under the breasts, then flat, then apron. Um, Erlo, oh, is it Erlos Danlos? Is that what you mean? Erlos Danlos, um, hyperelasticity of the skin, maybe. Um, maybe that's that's what you mean. So yeah, Erlos Danlos. If if it if it is that, if you do have you know hyperelasticity of your skin, then um, that can have an effect on wound healing. And would be another thing to take into account if you were going to have surgery because if you start getting into t-shape or h-shape scars when two scars meet there's an increased risk of wound healing problems so again another thing to think about if you were going to consider a, uh, a flirtly it does increase your risk of complications with that t-junction so sounds like you are not a straightforward case berry my friend um but uh, very interesting all the same so I think it needs a discussion of uh, like like with anyone pros and cons you know there are definitely pros to, to doing more skin excision than doing extra scarring but there are also cons obviously so it's where the balance lies for you in your particular case so it, that's a combination of chatting to the surgeon seeing what you have got in terms of your skin excess and trying to make the best plan that you can with the information available at the present time it's the um Hold on a minute. What we got? We got Facebook. We got some questions. We got a bit of audience participation tonight. Atkins, I, I can see you've, you've asked something, but I will I will do Sue because we've got Facebook. We've got Facebook questions. Look at this. We'll queue them up here. They're queuing up. Hi, Jonathan. I'm six weeks post-surgery. Is it still normal for swelling all on my belly and mons? I'm in the clinic next week for follow-up. All on my belly and mons. Yeah, is the answer to that, Sue. Um, I've got to be honest with you, Sue. Uh, six weeks is early days. Um, I normally say things start to settle, uh, highlight and bold that word start uh, at three months. So, we're, you know, if it's if, if it's six weeks, we're kind of halfway there. So halfway to it starting to settle. So swelling on belly and mons is normal, completely normal, particularly if you've had liposuction in those areas and um, and and. So it's completely normal with this operation. So um, normally we're looking at healing, we're looking at scar, we're talking about scar management. In terms of shape, I normally see in about about six months, and then we've got an idea. And even then, it's not fully settled. To be honest, the scar might still be a bit red. There might still be a bit of swelling. You know, shape might not be quite right. But six months, it'll be you know on its way. And then twelve months is kind of where you you get to think where you're going to be. So um, Sue, panic not six weeks early days often swelling um so i normally say to people wear the binder day and night for um for, for six weeks but sometimes people want to wear it longer because it can be swollen for longer um so if you want to carry on wearing the binder especially if you've got swelling then it might be worth thinking about that but totes normal sharon joanne is it safe to have an open full history hold oh, on a minute we've had that one. Oh, sharon you must have five years after a full tummy tucker muscle 
Yes, it is, Sharon. I answered this at the beginning, Sharon, because I, I saw you put a note on the story, which I'm very, very grateful to you for. When I say safe, will it impact my tummy tuck results? Uh, no, it won't. Well, the only thing is that the, they'll take out the scar. Uh, I imagine they'll take out the central part of the scar, your tummy tuck scar, so you have a fresh scar, so that will impact it. But in terms of your muscle repair, it, it won't impact it at all, or it shouldn't impact it at all. They will inside. So you've got two muscles, six-pack muscles, which, which are next to each other, which they will have brought closer together when they did the muscle repair with your tummy tuck. They call it muscle repair. You're not really repairing the muscle, I'll be honest with you, when you're doing a tummy tuck. You're just bringing it close together. So it's because the, the, the two muscles are a bit spread, spread apart, causing a gap between them. So you bring them together. So it's not kind of really repairing the muscle. It's bringing them closer together. When they do the hysterectomy, they will actually cut through the muscle in the lower portion. So they'll cut through it sort of 90 degrees of where we, we where the muscle repair would have been done. So they'll cut through the muscle in order to um, get to your um, uh, get to your, your hysterectomy. So um, it's fine, and it you know it won't impact your result of your tummy tuck. It won't make your skin any stretch or anything. It's just cosmetically speaking, they'll give you a new scar. That's all. So that might be an impact. But, but apart, I wouldn't worry about it, is a point, Sharon. If you need a hysterectomy, don't worry about it. Your tummy tuck's in the bag. You had that five years ago. You've got the result. You've got happy days. Uh, and just you're starting. What a lot of cosmetic surgery does is kind of resets you back to a better place. So you've been reset back to a better place. And now you're moving forward from there. So the tummy, you know, just, you, you'll, you know, the hysterectomy may or may not have an effect on the cosmesis of your abdomen. But at least it won't undo any work the tummy tuck's done put it like that it'll just you know you're a good good place hopefully and hopefully you'll you'll you know you'll still be there but there will be consequences of having a hysterectomy and in terms of the scarring etc so that's something just to deal with as you move forward which is what you would have done if you hadn't had a tummy tuck you know it's fine so don't worry about it um atkins nine if someone was unsure on mastopexy with or without implant would you offer the operation in two parts well, do you only perform this in one? Yeah, absolutely, Atkins. Um, in kind of like the other way around, I, I would always say to people, there's a lot to be said for doing it in two parts. I think, you know, it, kind of like the standard is doing it in two parts, and many surgeons only do it in two parts. I think it's kind of, um, I think most surgeons would do it in two parts. Only a few surgeons do it in one rather than the other way around. I mean, the people who do it in one, it's not like they wouldn't do it in two parts. I think anyone who does it in one would be happy to do it in two parts because it's less risks if you do it in in two parts the complications are less if you do it in two parts um because you when you do a lift you're making it all tight and then you put an implant and you're making it tight again so um there is you know that if someone's saying oh you know i'm not sure i'm borderline what do you think i would always say we'll do it in two parts do one see if you're happy, get it all healed, four to six months later, do the other one. Is the cost implication in doing it in two parts? Yes, there is a cost implication in doing it in two parts. So it is more expensive doing it in two parts. There is kind of economy of doing the operation in one, one go, but um, the complications are higher. So the risks are higher when you do it in one go. And particularly if you're borderline, it might be that you're happy with you know if you're borderline sort of you know definitely want implants not sure about the lift or definitely want lift not sure about implants you might be happy with just the lift or the implant so you might not actually need that second operation in which case obviously it's cheaper so kind of like a bit of a gamble because you might not be happy you think oh god we should have it in only one go but as i say in terms of surgery 
risks and complications, you're always going to be better off doing it in two parts because you're reducing your risks. Um, but you are putting it over two operations and potentially if you're, for instance, if you if you want implants, if you definitely want implants, potentially you're going to be unhappy for that uh, three to six months because you, you're not going to have the volume that you wanted. Um, or if, similarly, if you definitely wanted a lift, you're not going to be happy if you if you have a, the shape's not right for those three to six months. So I always have a discussion with patients and we'll offer it in one stage. But as I say, if there is a, um, a doubt, there's a lot to be said for just um, going for going for it in two parts and seeing how you get on. But uh, yeah, good to be aware of everything pre-op, as I said earlier, certainly in terms of um, uh, cost. So it would be more costly. Uh, Sharon, thank you. Thank you, Sharon, for, uh, for, for participating. Um, can you recommend a good surgeon for chin liposuction? Um, uh, yeah, because I don't do chin liposuction, obviously. Uh, otherwise, that would be a funny question. I mean, I guess it depends on where you are. You're welcome, Atkins. Very welcome. Very welcome. Um, I guess it depends on where you are because uh, I would, uh, you know, try and find someone close to where you are. Uh, look for someone who does faces, um, someone around here. If you're in Birmingham, West Midlands, um, I don't want to upset anyone by not mentioning them, but um, Guy Stern, I know Guy Stern quite well. He does um, facial liposuction, Maboob Alley. The three of us used to work together. Um, so Guy and Maboob are good friends and um, they, they would offer this sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's the start for the West Midlands. And wherever you live, I you know, might have an idea of someone, but, you know, basically a fully trained plastic surgeon in your local, uh, in your locale uh, would be my, uh, would be my um, suggestion there. Why don't we offer pinoplasty to patients under the age of 18? Yeah, so it's quite common to have pinoplasty uh, in uh, patients under 18, pinoplasty being prominent ear correction. Um, simple reason is that we can't because of the CQC. So the CQC will kind of um, approve the clinic or, or um, they kind of inspect the clinic and, and um, when you when you register with the CQC, you have to say what what you're what you're doing and who you're treating, and specifically whether you're going to be treating children or not. And if you say you're going to be children treating children, uh, there's an awful lot more um, um, work to be done and and, and staffing, and and, it, and it's quite difficult to to get approval to treat children to the extent that the hospitals are actually. Um, struggle to get this approval sometimes. It, it, approval sometimes, so it is quite difficult to get disapproval. And when I look at the amount of work that we do at the clinic, there's only a minority that would be children. Pinoplasty would be one, maybe moles and cysts. People have talked about tongue tie and things like that. So there are a few cases that that might be there, but it's a it's a, it really is a minority of the sort of thing that I do because most of the work is. Um, uh, is, is, is on adults and, and over 18. So it just wasn't worth us going through the um, uh, what would be needed to treat children. So that's the only reason we don't offer pinoplasty or indeed anything. We don't offer any kind of um, uh, procedures or, or treatments to, to people under the age of 18. So you would have to go to the hospitals. And as I say, they, they're making it more and more difficult to treat under 18s. But we've um, we, we, we don't um, do it. So that's it. Not, not 
because of any other, not because of any sort of ethical thing or anything like that. I think it's perfectly reasonable to have a pinoplasty under 18. Um, in fact, often you have a pinoplasty six, seven, eight years old is kind of a normal age for a, uh, for a pinoplasty, um, kind of when you want the, uh, well, you really want the patient to start asking for it. So that's kind of the, the criteria for a pinoplasty. So they tend not to put on really young children who don't feel that they've got a problem, but if they having problems at school and things like that. I think it's perfectly reasonable to do that. So following on from that, can you recommend a surgeon that would offer pinoplasty to a 13-year-old? So again, it depends on where you where you are, where you live. Um, but if you're in Birmingham, you'd probably want to look someone in the children's hospital. So Kuram Khan is a, a, a great guy, surgeon in the children's hospital. I know him. So uh, he would offer a pinoplasty. Um, problem is a lot of the people I know now, they're like, you know, so I'm thinking Bruce Richard, but off. he's retired. Uh, let's say Kurum Khan. Kurum Khan's a good guy, and he's not retired. He's a young guy, so he's still he's going to be pushing on. So for, for a long time. So yeah, Kurum would be a would be a, a, a my uh, my pick um, for that. Uh, what have we got? Olivia's in the house. Hi, Olivia. Hope you are well. I'm well, and I hope you are well too. Lorena, uh, God bless her. Um, Clapping or waving emoji, very nice. Nice to see you, Lorena. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Why do you recommend having a BMI lower than 30 when considering surgery? Um, there are a couple of reasons, and they the first reason is that the complication rate is lower with a lower BMI. There's nothing particular about 30. 30 is one of the BMI cutoffs when they talk about sort of. Um, overweight to obese sort of thing is, is 30 is the is the cutoff between that terminology um, and when they've kind of done clinical studies you kind of have to have a, a point where you say look the, the clinical you know you've got to group people into two groups and so they, they they often use 30 as a BMI cutoff and they look at the group below 30 and the group above 30 and they say the group above 30 has got a higher risk of complications than the group below 30. But that doesn't mean anything particularly happens at 30. So if you're 29, it's not like you're saved. And if you're 30, well, you're doomed. It's a it's a kind of a spectrum. And 30 is kind of the, 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 the number that they use. So generally speaking, if someone asks the BMI, you should say 30. But at the same time, if your BMI is 29 and you still want to lose weight, you are going to get less complications if you can lose weight. So um, I would say that um, I don't have a fix of as soon as you're 30, you can come in the door. That's fine. I would say get stable and comfortable with your weight that's really one be true to yourself get to a weight that you're stable and comfortable with um, and then that's when you want to think about having surgery and um, you know ideally that would be below 30 sometimes people have lost a lot of weight and they can't get below 30 and they still have it above 30 and so those sorts of patients personally i would offer them surgery i know a lot of surgeons wouldn't but i'd certainly talk to them about surgery uh, although i would highlight that they have got a higher risk of complications um, but, you know, it's something you could consider. So the complications is one uh, reason to uh, recommend having BMI below 30. And the other reason to have a BMI below 30 is because you're going to get a better result. You're going to get a better clinical result. Often you're doing things like tummy tucks. And sometimes you have intra-abdominal fat, which can, can give you kind of like a barrel-shaped abdomen. So even when you've done a tummy tuck, paid thousands of pounds, you've removed the excess uh, apron, the excess skin and fat. If you've still got intra-abdominal fat, you can still have a rounded look to your abdomen. 
the results often not great and doesn't look as good and you still you still can kind of look big if you like and so again it's about having a realistic expectation of what you can achieve from the surgery so often you if you if you are big inverted commas you will still be big after the surgery but you will not have that abdominal apron now you might say that's happy i'm happy with that i completely understand what you're saying let's do it i'm like well okay well you know um fine but but that's uh, something to consider the other thing is if you were to lose weight after surgery because i know a lot of people say oh, i can't lose weight because of the apron or because of my breasts or because of whatever uh if you then do your breast reduction or your tummy tuck or whatever and then they're able to lose weight afterwards and i completely understand how it is difficult to lose weight if you have are carrying a lot of weight in those areas but if, then if you lost a significant weight afterwards then your breast might droop your tummy might sag so you might have extra skin in your tummy or your breasts because the reason you need the surgery in the first place is because of either weight loss or having children because both those things stretch the skin so putting on weight stretches the skin and then when you lose the weight the skin doesn't recoil so you might have a bit of hanging skin on your tummy, a bit of hanging skin on your breast if you lost a significant weight after surgery, which would be a bit annoying if you spent a lot of money on a tummy tuck or a breast lift or a breast reduction to try and make the skin as tight as possible. And then you lost weight and then you had redundant skin. So you got less risk of complications and a better clinical result if you can lose weight uh, and uh, before surgery and be stable with it and comfortable with your weight, ideally below 30. But as I say, even if it's below 30, if you want to be lower than that, then keep going um, before you have the uh, the surgery. Yeah, Olivia is good. Good to hear, Olivia. Good to hear what we got. Now, things have been going on here. What's been going on here? What have I missed? Is the cost? I've done that. How long would someone need to be off work for pre, post, pre and post a tummy tuck? Right, Amanda. Pre, nothing. You can be at work the day before. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> So you don't need any time off work pre-tummy tuck. Post, different story. Post-tummy tuck uh, kind of depends what you do, whether it's physical or not. Um, but general terms, the first week, no one's really going back to work, really. You've bent over. It's uncomfortable. You you know, it's, it's not great the first week. The second week, you'll be feeling better and you will be doing emails from home, maybe not working unless you can just work by doing a bit of paperwork at home and stuff but i normally would say to people two weeks you just want to give yourself a break it's quite a big operation so two weeks you want to give yourself a break um in terms of driving and stuff like that i normally say two to three weeks it is different everyone's different um what question um so oh what's that ask the quick um so um sorry, sorry back here question so two two yeah two to three weeks for driving um if you work for yourself maybe two weeks you might be doing stuff but if you if you uh work for a company or something sometimes it can be a bit annoying if you say you're going to be right, all right at two weeks and you're not quite ready and you have to take another week off so i normally say it's kind of safer to say three weeks um uh in terms of driving and and, and sort of getting back into office based work so i'd say three weeks you can get back into stuff and then I normally say phase return or light duties for another three weeks so six weeks before you actually putting any power through your upper body any lifting things like that and even at six weeks I would say you want to be taking it easy and just start putting power through because you don't make it swell certainly around your core and things like that so um th three weeks off and then three weeks light duties phase return is my normal regime 
the tummy tucks and it kind of depends on your work if you can do light duties fine if you can't do light duties if you if your work involves heavy lifting then it's six weeks and then you can start just start gently getting back into it uh, Nikki Noobs, uh, what is the complication rate of arm lifts slash how long would you recommend for recovery for a wedding photographer? Lots of use of arms, lifting kit and carrying cameras for 10 hour periods. So is that the same? Oh yeah, I was excited. I thought I got a separate question. It's the same one. Okay. Um, so uh, Nikki Noobs, so, oh God. Um, complication rate of arm lifts. Yeah, quite. Um, so there's two things i guess when you're talking about cosmetic surgery there's kind of complications and um kind of what's the word not 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 very good results <laughs> um kind of not looking good type thing so complications is kind of like a, 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 a usually a, a kind of problem from the surgery usually within the first first 30 days is traditionally is is kind of like a complication wound infection bleeding hematoma these sorts of things are, are would be deemed complications um skin loss skin problems skin necrosis what have you so these would be complications in the first 30 days after surgery and any kind of body contouring surgery has to be closed tight so there are risks of wounds not healing up and if the wounds don't heal up breaks down you get an open wound risk of infection so those the risk of that sort of complication is is relatively high with with um, body contouring surgery and one of the problems with arm lifts people do it slightly different ways but you know personally i make you make a scar goes from from the just above the elbow up into the armpit and then it's kind of like an l shape so there's like a, a like an extension into the armpit and the armpit's hot and sweaty that l shape there's a risk of that sort of point of that, that l you know where, where to, you know this car me so that there's a risk of the wound not healing up there so you can you can get wound healing problems um you can get hematoma blood collecting inside and it all ballooning up you you can get problems with nerve um, sensation usually in your forearm nothing with your hands and stuff but often in the forearm it feels a bit weird sometimes it comes to like back to life sometimes it doesn't so there is a risk of permanent sort of funny feelings in your in your um forearm so this is what I, this is what i would consider to be uh, complications um and so they they you know no question that that would be something to think about if you were going to have surgery um but perhaps what people maybe would also you might consider a complication but we would probably consider more like a revision or what have you it's kind of someone who's it's all healed up or, or fine and it's you know technically all gone fine but the patient's not happy <laughs> so that's obviously uh, a problem and uh, something that we do our best to mitigate um but there are reasons for that so uh, and that, that might need kind of revision surgery which is usually after 30 days of, to sort of do something if, if, if you're not happy so the first thing that i always make a point of for patients with arm lifts is that the scar um is quite long it goes to just above your elbow so if you are saying oh i hate showing my arms i hate wearing short sleeve shirts uh, or short sleeve tops you might still hate wearing short sleeve tops after having an arm lift because that's, that scar will be visible so that is a uh, a significant thing to consider um so you know that that scar can be visible sometimes you get a bump at the end of the scar um it often settles but sometimes it doesn't and you have to remove it sort of when you end the scar you get like a pleat of tissue so that is a, a that is a risk um and um you know hopefully the scar will fade but it can take six 12 months for it to fade maybe even longer it's quite a long time 
and even when it's faded you kind of you kind of see it we hope that it's sort of hidden in a neutral position um so if you put your arm up there you can't see it from the front or the back but when you put your arm down it is kind of visible there and and um you know put your arm up it's kind of visible so that is a um that is a problem so that is something to be to be thinking of how would you recommend for recovery for a wedding photographer lots of use of arms so again you'd be in the kind of um heavy lifting group if you've got a lot of 10, 10 hour cameras so um six weeks six weeks you can start doing cameras and stuff like that or lifting heavy stuff 10 hour periods i'm not sure if after six weeks you'll be ready for that but you start getting into a bit of you know heavy lifting and stuff at six weeks is what is kind of normal I'm not sure if you want to go straight into a 10 hour day but yeah that's kind of what i would be saying for you nikki nikki noobs what we got uh amanda thank you right okay so um what else we got i'll tell you what else we got um why should you not pick a mole or try to remove it yourself hmm good question good question so the answer to that question is that really before you do anything with a mole you should go to your gp and get it checked and i think a lot of times i get asked questions from people who are in the uk and they say what's what's a gp um so and, and they don't have the fantastic nhs that we've got that they can't just go down the road and see a doctor and uh I know you're going to say oh, it's hard to see them, but you know you really should get your mold checked first of all because you've got to be careful that it's not anything that to worry about. It's not cancerous or potentially cancerous, so that's why you shouldn't um, do it anything to your mold uh, if you're concerned it might be cancerous. Now, if you're going to remove a mold, then um, it is always good practice to send it off for histology. So most molds, most sort of brown pigmented lesions even though we clinically have said it looks benign it doesn't look like anything to worry about it's absolutely fine it is good practice to send it away for histology so you have got that peace of mind that it is fine it's extremely rare but it has happened where patients have had come back with met years later with a lymph node in their neck or in their armpit or something like that they biopsy the lymph node and that that, that lymph node is said that that is a metastatic melanoma so it's from a melanoma has spread to the neck or the armpit but there's no obvious primary there's no obvious mole somewhere now sometimes that could be a mole that has regressed um so you could have had a mole that's then regressed and gone but if you've had a mole removed 10 years ago on your hand or your neck or your face you want to have histology to say that was not the melanoma because you want to know whether that was the melanoma or not so even though someone's saying oh it was obviously benign that's a bit of a concern if you if this does come up later so it really is good practice to send a remote away for histology and you can't do that when you when you do that at home um there's all sorts of reasons not to remove moles at home i'm sure i've done a video on it you know infection or a clean environment when you're removing a mole you've got to remove all layers of the skin if you don't remove enough so people talk about putting vinegar and all sorts of stuff on it acids you know how much acid how much skin do you need to destroy because if you don't destroy enough you still have a mole you all heals and there's still a mole there and if you don't destroy too much you'll get extra scarring so you know that is something that it's difficult for you to gauge at home as to how much of that skin to destroy basically if you're going to use some kind of goodness knows what people use at home and i get asked all the time for home remedies i haven't got any answers to that because i would not recommend it 
I would recommend that you see a doctor and you have it removed in whatever way is deemed appropriate to get rid of all the mole with the least scarring because that can be a bit haphazard if you try and do it at home. Um, not to mention infection risks and the lack of histology. Uh, why should you not pick a mole? Well, you're going to make it bleed, you're going to traumatize it, you're going to cause scarring. Um, so, yeah, it's just not great. I mean, sometimes you can't help it if you hit mold in your shaving and things. Um, but, you know, ideally you should try and avoid that. Um, what is it? Right, oh, hold on a minute. Do you, there we go, do you recommend waiting for a period of time? Oh, let's get that off. Do you recommend waiting for a period of time before having contouring surgery, in particular arm lifts, for bariatric patients, or would you suggest BMI 30? Yes, I, both, uh, both, Mickey, I would suggest BMI 30, and I would also suggest a period of time. So BMI 30, as I said earlier, is kind of like the standard for, um, for, um, for, for, for doing body contouring surgery. But the particular issue with uh, bariatric patients, if you had significant weight loss, is the, the concern that your weight is going to go up and the concern that that's going to be your, your weight loss journey. So you kind of don't really want to do it as soon as you got to your weight because you don't know what the grass is going to look like. Is it going to stay fat line or is it going to go up again? So um, because if you have surgery to tighten all that skin and you put weight on, that skin's going to stretch again doesn't care that you spent thousands of pounds on surgery it is going to stretch again so you really want to be stable with your weight now often um in terms of nhs and stuff when they, well, they probably don't do it anymore but when they used to do it they're often saying six 12 24 months you know quite quite significant periods of time in order to have proven stable weight before having surgery um personally and in the private sector they are unlikely to be that strict certainly 12 24 months is going to be unlikely uh, I think six months is reasonable, but I think, you know, a period of time where you are stable with your weight, that you can be comfortable that that is your weight because you want to get a long lasting result with your surgery because you don't want to pay money. And then five years later, have the skins, you know, put on weight and lose weight and all the skins hanging again. So um, I think six months is reasonable. But yes, get to a stable weight and maintain that weight. Those are important things, particularly for bariatric patients, because you need to be sure in your own mind that you can maintain that weight. What is a realistic time frame to consider surgery for either a breast reduction or a tummy tuck before attending a bit of big event such as a wedding? Was this, is this as a, we've had wedding photographer and wedding, okay. Um, so you're saying attending or, so I'm assuming you're not like the, the bride um, or the groom, the tummy tuck. Um, so I'm assuming that you're 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 not the you know you're not the main contender in this event because if you are in the main contender in this event, six twelve months, six you know in terms of scarring being red and active, numbness of feelings you know shape stuff like that. So you know six twelve months if if you if you're a main player in the event, but if you're just attending a wedding um as i say six weeks you do feel pretty good i think i think you feel better you probably feel a little bit fragile but you 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 i think you would be able to attend a wedding at six weeks um but as i say your scars will be really quite red you might still have some numbness the shape might not be quite right there might still be some swelling there might still be some asymmetries um and i normally say three months is when those things start to settle but I, you know as i say if you're just attending a wedding i would say six weeks is reasonable unless you're 
a main player, in which case probably six months. So um, yeah, I hope that's helpful. Uh, good questions tonight. Very grateful to everyone for giving me the questions as ever. Uh, please carry on giving me the questions. I will do my level best to answer them in a, um, in a way that I can be helpful and impart knowledge because that's what it's all about, sharing knowledge. Um, so if, uh, if that'll be all, just got to check I haven't got any uh, missed messages. Um, I will check out of here and do a bit of DIY, put a new tap on in the bathroom. So I uh, hope you're impressed. Got the old tap off, a bit of cleaning. Now I'm going to put a new one back on again. Uh, wish me luck. Hope there won't be any emergency plumber call outs. Probably not a good time to do it, would it, isn't it? 10 to 8, probably not ideal. We should do this sort of thing in the daytime. In hindsight, I just thought that just now. But anyway, what's up? It's kind of constantly a tap. And I took the old one off, so it's just the reverse. And I should call it the plug out. That's a bit more of a deal. Um, hold on a minute. What we got? This Nikki come back at me. Nikki, you come back at me. Would you recommend waiting for a period of time prior to trying to conceive following arm lift surgery? Um, do you know what, Nikki? In terms of the absolute thing about con trying to conceive after body contouring surgery, I would say, you know, no, didn't matter. Try to conceive straight away. Having said that, when someone asks that sort of question, there's always, I've got to be honest, a little bit of an alarm bell with me because I kind of think arm lift is not quite so much as so bad as tummy tucks and breast lifts because they're not directly affected. But your weight, you can have weight fluctuations when you do have children, pregnancy and children. So it kind of makes me think, mm, if you're immediately trying to conceive, would it be maybe best to start uh, to finish your family? Ideally, you would finish your family before having body contouring surgery. As I say, tummy and breast are more directly affected than arms, but I would still put it all in the same category of, you know, if you're kind of body, having body contouring, you don't want things to significantly change afterwards and having children can potentially significantly change the shape of your body because you will pay all this money to have your body contouring and you know your body won't like leave your arms alone because you spend money on it it might be that your arms the skin in your arms will stretch if you put on and lose weight so that's the only kind of slight worry i would have with you asking that question i'm like well if you want to have that family maybe you're better off waiting to the family is finished before you have surgery but if you say to me look no no no, i want to have surgery now and i'm in a good place and i'm bmi stable and i'm comfortable and all that sort of stuff i'm like well you can have it there's no problem with trying to conceive straight away after surgery there's no issue with that except the, for the fact that it may have an adverse effect on the on your body <laughs> having children can have an adverse effect on your body it should be a warning on the on the tin as it were but um but in terms from a surgical point of view there's no problem at all Thank you for answering my questions. Very helpful. Informative one day ago. That's all. Doing my best, Nikki. I'm doing my best here. Thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you for your questions. And if you do have more questions, Nikki, do you know what? Next week, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm not on holiday or anything like that. So I'll see you, well, if you're around, same time, same place. So by all means, do ask questions. I love the uh, responding to the sticker thing or however you did it. Uh, that is a very, uh, um, very much appreciated. So um, by all means, do ask questions. And I will be back um, right here at 7 o'clock next Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to seeing you all then. So I'm going to check out. 
stop the stream and uh, go. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.